This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, April 13th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. The development of tools like ChatGPT and generative AI apps pose a substantial challenge to copyright law, and copyright lawsuits pose a threat to the development of generative AI. Writer Tim Lee argues that concerns over compliance could be a driver down the road for consolidation in this new industry. But attempting to strictly regulate the new tech is far easier said than done. I think there's a quote from Lawrence Lessig. You can tell me if it's right or not. But it was the idea that you and your friend can make a movie, provided that uh, the two of you are in a completely empty room alone with no brand names or branded products anywhere. That that's the way to not implicate copyright or other forms of intellectual property. And that seems fairly limiting. Yeah. And AI, at least uh, some of the graphics that I've seen, some people put my photo into one of these engines and spit out, you know, a Warner Brothers looking cartoon character that kind of vaguely looked like me. But I thought, wow, the art here is quite good. And I can imagine that given the pool from which uh, these engines are drawing uh, their information in order to generate these images, that could implicate copyright. So so where do you think things stand right now with regard to copyright and the ability to generate this, what, what appears to be new stuff uh, using these tools? It's really unclear. So the way that these systems work is that they there's a process called training where the software starts off with um, basically random settings and then it looks at millions and millions of images. And with each image, it tries to reproduce the image and then kind of grades itself on how well it did. And then it updates its parameters to make it a little bit better. And it does it over and over again until it starts to look pretty good as you've seen in the, the finished product. And nothing quite like this has existed before maybe five years ago. And that's recent enough that we don't have any court decisions. And so um, I think there are strong arguments that this is um, allowed under copyrights fair use doctrine um, and also strong arguments that it's not. And uh, we're just going to have to wait and and see what the courts think about it. Okay. So, but that just the fact that courts must weigh in in order to uh, protect this powerful and a very interesting technology, well, it kind of stinks. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's definitely a limitation on the technology, although there, it certainly is the case that uh, you could go out and license all of these images. So, for example, one of the plaintiffs in one of these lawsuits is Getty Images, the, the giant company that licenses millions of images. And I believe they have signed a deal or two with some of these companies to um, use their images in a licensed way. So theoretically, somebody could go out and do a bunch of those deals and train a system on only licensed images. It would be very expensive. And um, because the more images you have, the better the ser- the technology is, probably that wouldn't produce as nice as, as a result as these ones that are just work by scraping the entire web. But the like the essential question that that raises, the idea that Getty Images would be providing its pool of material uh, for use by this engine to then produce distinctly different images. Well, that how many people have been greeking uh, products that that we all know and love to make them copy for copyright purposes distinct? But everybody knows that that's where it was drawn from. 
Yeah, it's it's um one of the big questions about these systems is how similar is the output to the input and how often does this happen? So in very, very rare cases, um, it is possible to get these systems to print out to produce um, pretty close to exact copies of images that are trained on. Um, and I think that's pretty clear that that would be copyright infringement. Um, there's other cases. So one of the... Um, one of the things you can get these systems to do is you can say, draw Mickey Mouse. And the picture of Mickey Mouse you get might be a completely original image in terms of the angle and you know exactly how Mickey Mouse is positioned in the background and so forth. But um, the way copyright looks, because Mickey Mouse is a fictional cartoon character, um, pretty much any drawing of Mickey Mouse potentially implicates copyright. And um, so because this is a completely automated system, um, it's not good at drawing those distinctions to say this is a uh, this is an image that implicates copyright and this is not it just kind of turns the crank and you get whatever you get copyright law seems like it's it's just always destined to be way behind technological innovation that's true for lots of areas of law of course sure yeah i mean i i think that it's um not entirely a bad thing that this is effectively in the the courts um i mean theoretically congress could just pass a new law that says this is allowed or is not allowed under copyright but um, congress is not very effective at copyright passing laws these days and has largely let the courts just figure these things out. And so they do it by precedent. They look at what are some other similar technology we've looked at and then, um, you know, how can we kind of extrapolate that? And so the most similar case in the past was the Google Books case about 10, 15 years ago. Um, Google scanned a bunch of incopyright books to build a book search engine and the Authors Guild sued them and Google actually ultimately won that case. So that's a precedent in favor of these generative AI models. But I think there's a big difference in that Google is not trying to make new books. They're trying to make a book search engine that, if anything, probably expanded the market for books because it helps people find books that they then might want to buy, um, whereas these generative AI technologies are creating new images that potentially compete directly with the existing images. Um, and I think that's particularly uh, one way where I think courts might particularly look askance at it is that one of the things you can do is say, um, draw me a picture in the style of, and then name some living artist. And um, as you might imagine, some of these living artists are not too happy about that because um, in their view, like they did all this work to produce these original images and produce this style. And um, now this machine is kind of doing the work that previously was their kind of, um, their kind of trademark. Um, it's not clear legally speaking, if a style per se is copyrightable. But if I'm a judge and I'm looking at, like, is it reasonable for the software to use somebody's copyrighted images to create new images? The fact that that's one of the things you can do, I think, is going to nudge the, the judges to maybe look at it a little more skeptically. Yeah, because I, I can imagine, like, before we started recording, I'm saying I can't wait for the frame-by-frame -frame remake generated with AI tools of old movies. Uh, and then sort of thinking through it, yeah, the script for copyright purposes would be still in play. You replace all the audio. All you need to do is license the script. Mm -hmm. And th th that seems like a really amazing uh, potential use of that technology. And, and, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably very minor. But we're not going to get that for years. Be because the script's not available? Well, no, because of co just copyright law right. just standing in the way. Well, I mean, I'm not sure. I I, th I think it is very possible. I, I, I sort of laid out why a judge might be skeptical. But on the other side, I mean, I think this is um, most of the time the images it produces are original. And, um, and, and so I, I think it's and, and also these are big. Uh, 
big successful companies that are very popular. Um, again, this is something that I don't think officially should be part of copyright, but often what judges do when they're trying to figure out these cases is kind of look at, you know, do, do I feel like the defendant is kind of acting in good faith? Um, so you think about like Napster, I think that seemed a little too sketchy to people, and so they lost. Um, and I think in this case, we're talking about Google and a startup called OpenAI that's a nonprofit and I think is, uh, you know, seen as relatively um, mainstream and legitimate. And so I, I think it's very possible that the courts could say that this is is in fact fair use. Um, I think it's kind of an open question. And if that happens, then um, then yeah, it'll open up a lot of these possibilities. But I, I do think that if they lose, um, people will make the licensed versions and it'll take longer. It'll be more expensive. And I think a big effect would be to consolidate the industry uh, because a few big companies can probably go through the, um, the paperwork and spend money to get the licensed images. But right now there are open source versions of these where kind of anybody can use it. Um, and there's a lot of room for startups to license it or reuse it. Um, and it would, it would have a very different industry structure if, if you had to pay for all the, the source material. But if your business model is we own a lot of old intellectual property mm -hmm. and then we serve it back to you, right? Uh, you know, uh, we serve it back to customers thousands of times a day. I mean, that has to challenge that business model to some extent. Yes, I think so. Although it's possible you could you could license different materials. So if you're trying to reproduce, say, an old Star Wars movie, you don't necessarily have to license Disney's images. You could license other images of spaceships and planets and stuff and then still make it. But yes, it'll make it much more complicated. You'll need a lot more money, a lot more lawyers, a lot more time. And so it would definitely, I think, would slow the progress of this technology and probably reduce the quality for, for quite a number of years. You uh, made note of a few years ago that Congress did not extend copyright. Mm -hmm. And that was a notable thing. Yes. Uh, is the tide still sort of turning uh, when it comes to congressional action regarding the extension of copyright? As far as I know, yes. I mean, I, th I think there's kind of a stalemate. So uh, in the 20th century through about 2000, um, Hollywood and the music industry and the estates of famous authors um, had a very powerful lobbying presence, and there kind of wasn't anybody on the other side. And so in 1976 and in, again in 1998, they extended copyright. Um, but the rise of Google and uh, of the tech giants and also the rise of um, communities like Wikipedia and Reddit um, kind of provided a counterweight so that in the late 2010s, around 2018, when they would have needed to extend it again to continue the kind of perpetual copyright that had been happening, um, those kind of, I think those forces were powerful enough to prevent um, copyright from even being ser seriously considered. There really wasn't even a debate about it. They just didn't try to do it. Um, I think that's probably still true. Um, but I think it's, a lot of it's also just, there's just so much gridlock in Congress, like very little happens because it used to be pretty common, actually, for Congress to go back and tweak, um, especially when a new technology came out. Um, for example, when radio came along, there was a big debate about, do you need a license to um, play music on the radio? And uh, they ended up deciding, no, you don't need, don't need a license. But like often in the previous decades, Congress would kind of broke broker compromises among industries. And I think in some ways that might be a better outcome here. Maybe you could have some kind of regime where um, you're allowed to use the material, but there's like a standard licensing rate like you have for SOG covers or something. I don't know what the compromise would be, but that was kind of the old model. Um, but because Congress has does so little legislating now, it's just it always go to the courts and the courts have kind of a binary choice of is this legal or is it not legal. Yeah. But you mentioned industry consolidation as a possible mm -hmm. outcome. That doesn't seem very... Uh, savory. That is to say, it's, a, it's an outcome driven by uh, the desire for compliance. Yes. I think if, if, the, um, if the plaintiffs win these lawsuits, um, yes, I think you'll see consolidation because startups that are trying to build this will not have the resources to do the licensing. And so it'll just be Google and 
Microsoft and a few other big companies still have the ability to to build these um, build these models. And I think that would definitely be a downside if, if that happened. Tim Lee runs the Full Stack Economics and Understanding AI Substacks. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.